This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, the 24th of November, and here is my five-year anniversary co-host, Jan. Okay, just to be sure well, that people understand, I'm not five years old, Dave is not doing anything <laughs> illegal here. <laughs> it's not illegal to record a podcast with a five-year-old, it's all fine. I, yeah. Whatever. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get burned. <laughs> uh, five years. Five yeah. years of the Roaring Elephant podcast. It's been a roller coaster ride, but a kind of stop and go one because it's like one day a week, right? So I'm not sure how a roller coaster would do that. Um, badly, I think. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure that, that would be a terribly good experience. But yeah, here we are, five years later. And still, still going. I don't know about still going strong, but still going. <laughs> <laughs> well, still strong, going strong enough that we haven't stopped this yet. So, I mean, as long as we get more listeners, if we have a nice growth curve, and uh, YouTube should kind of pick up the pace here a little bit. But as long as we have some growth happening, I'm enjoying myself, and I'm hoping you still enjoy yourself too, regardless I of my bickering. So. Well, yes, there is that, but I'm kind of used to it, immune to that by now for the most part. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can still get you on the on the on the on the hobby horse. Or, no, what's the English term for that? I have no idea. Uh, yes, get my goat is one way of putting it. But yes, you do still definitely know how to push my buttons. <laughs> I knew you moved out of the sticks. I didn't know you had goats. Uh, well, there's definitely <laughs> sheep around here. And there's, actually, there's parrots as well, but that's a different story for another time. Parrots and sheep. Um, Try to guess what location this is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you'll, and you'll be wrong. Um, so, yeah, five years. Um, as is tradition, um, we we often have a round of guests to come and talk, to, talk with us um, uh, that have spoken with us over the year. But as has also become tradition, one of those guests... Every year now has been uh, John Murtick from the, the Linux Foundation. And uh, there's been such a lot going on. And we haven't actually talked with John this year. So it was, it was a, a sort of a perfect storm of opportunity. And we actually spent some time just with John. He was uh, telling us all about what's happening within various parts of the Linux Foundation. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge... Um, sort of ecosystem of things that are going on, but some of the stuff that John himself is in, interested in and involved in is particularly relevant to our audience. So, uh, yeah, had a, had a good time catching up, and there was yet more stuff that I was thoroughly <laughs> unaware of and uh, thoroughly happy to be uh, educated on. Yeah, he kept on coming up with new acronyms I had never heard of before, so that's a good thing, I guess. Indeed, indeed, yeah. Those, those folks at the Linux Foundation have definitely been busy this year. But anyway, we, we kind of have more than half an hour of uh, goodness with John, so I'd say let's uh, move this on and uh, have John join the party. Indeed, let's do it. So we're we're joined here today by John Murtick. Welcome back, John. It is amazing to have you here. Oh, thank you. I, I feel like such a regular here now, um, at least for the anniversary shows. It's 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 great talking with you both. This is always a fun conversation to have. And uh, yeah, just excited to talk about some of the stuff we have going on here um, with projects that I think are very interesting to your audience. 
Indeed, indeed. You've been a, a staple, really, with the uh, the Roaring Elephant podcast over the years. We sort of we've quizzed you on all different things around the uh, the Linux Foundation and the various uh, projects that you've been kicking off through there. So, yeah, what what you've been up to? What's what's been keeping you occupied uh, this past year? Um, well, I think the big thing, uh, which came together um, just a few weeks ago, um, and again, based on the time this recording goes out versus when we're recording it, um, is the coming together of two of our great um, foundations sort of in the broad data space. Um, hmm. ODPI, which we've talked about a number of times here, is joining forces with um, LFAI, um, the Linux Foundation um, AI Foundation, which uh, has been really focused, it started about two years ago and is focused on the innovation, the AI, ML, and deep learning space. And mm -hmm. the one, and they're coming together under a joint umbrella of LF, AI, and data. And what's really interesting here is that, you know, we've, you know, just I think in the early days of the Hadoop space, it sort of felt like it was its own little being. And then as it evolved, it really kind of saw all the interconnection points with the rest of the data management world. Um, I think we saw a lot of that pattern here as well. And as this space has begun to evolve, it's, it, you know, the the thoughts that it has had is, you know, how do we make these um, projects more enterprise ready? And part of being able to do that is to tie into the various data management data, um, you know, BI tools that an organization is using. And that's, you know, an area that ODPI has been investing in. Um, we launched Nigeria yep. two years ago. Um, you know, certainly we did a lot of work on the Hadoop standard space and really, I think, drove that to a really nice um, conclusion. Um, and that group has also been, you know, identifying and looking at other projects. And I think when the opportunity with both um, groups sort of came together, it just it made a ton of sense because, uh, you know, one of the things we really want to do for projects is set them up for a sustainable future. And yep. when we see area projects that are kind of in the same space, there's just a lot of natural collaboration crossover um, opportunities that are out there. And if we can create foundations that foster that um, and then also sort of enable us to go to market in a more cohesive and um, efficient way, that's a win-win. Like that's always a fantastic thing. So that is, uh, that's been a huge point of excitement. And I think um, a really a nice step forward of, of where this um, industry is hoping to go. Yeah, because you were talking about sustainable projects. One of the things I've always really admired about the um, both the, the the ASF and the Linux Foundation is how they they really do try and build uh, a community around the project. It's not just kind of bolt bolt a bunch of people together in a digital room and like send them off into the world and hope for the best. Like there's a real effort into making sure that these things are sustainable and uh, you know, viable in the long term and have a diverse group of people that are kind of interested and committed to, to working with them. I think it's been, it, it's one of the things that I've noticed and it's one of the things that has, in my opinion, seen these projects thrive over time and continue to, to innovate and continue to accelerate um, their impact into their various different spaces. Oh, absolutely, and and I think one of the keys to that in the AS, in the ASF and um, other organizations that are kind of similar look at this the same way of um, the act of vendor neutrality. Um, mm. You know, any of these projects could be owned by any one of these companies, but what we've seen is you almost hit a glass ceiling 
um, of where that project can go to when it's one organization dominated. Um, and it's a multitude of reasons. I mean, open, transparent governance, um, long-term asset ownership, all those sort of things. But oftentimes it's just the trust in the community of if I'm, if I'm putting a ton of effort investment into this project and in the end, you know, one organization can go change their mind and say, you know what, we're, we're changing the terms of this, we're making it proprietary. Or the other thing that happens in open source is, you know, let's say there's sort of one lead maintainer and then all of a sudden that person falls off the face of the earth. Um, the infrastructure just, I mean, how many times do you hear of, hear of communities like, we're trying to find our maintainer because we can't get into our GitHub account anymore. Um, <laughs> or yeah. all of the, right? So, I mean, that happens. Yeah. And foundations are set to make sure that these things, you know, sustainable, not just like sustainable, like for a couple of years, for a couple of months, you know, whatever. I mean, sustainable past our time. Like these projects are going, you know, once they're out there, they have huge impacts and huge uses and ensuring that you know the assets are held uh, appropriately the marks are held and defended well um and just the infrastructure exists is you know it's a thing you don't think about a lot of times and, and most of our developer communities usually don't actively think about but it's the necessary work you have to do in open source um to really ensure exactly what you said sustainability yeah and so with with the um, those two group, groups sort of joining the ODPI um, and LFAI, what what sort of the what is the I guess the immediate uh, impact of that? What what's, has has OD, have the early sort of pieces around ODPI kind of stabilized, and it's really sort of the next onward journey or what's what's been the the sort of the immediate changes there um i mean i think a lot of the media you know really for the project communities nothing really changes um you know they continue to operate on um and that's sort of the model we have in in other uh umbrella foundations as we call them here within the linux foundation odpi and lfai being examples and lfai and data being the the bringing together day-to-day um, -day, their governance stays the same how they do releases how they work in their communities everything stays the same um, I think some of the things that we're going to start to see over time is more opportunities for these projects to have natural cross collaboration um, and not that these things can't exist outside of coming together but there's more of a natural um, ability that these projects are kind of you know they're participating you know in similar technical advisory council calls um, uh, there, there's formations of committees that uh, look at some of these projects across and think about a larger solution space. Um, yeah. And uh, the ability for us also to drive events and activities together and talk about these projects um, together as a part of a larger group. Um, I think those are going to be some of the immediate things that the communities are going to notice. It's just those things are going to begin to open up. And again, they weren't prevented before but they become easier and they become a more natural activity. Um, and, you know, then we're able to support those uh, much broader. So I would say yeah. that's probably the biggest change is there's just going to be more ways to, you know, go to market with this. Um, and I think as we start to see this become more of a center of gravity, you know, that also opens up the possibilities of, you know, driving, you know, events and other sort of collaboration in this space over time. Yeah. So with with that being said, do you think that um, 
because I, I mean, if you look at linuxfoundation.org slash projects, there are way more projects than certainly I remember seeing there kind of feels like not so long ago. I, I probably haven't uh, looked at this page for a good year or two, but I I don't know what the current count is, but there's an amazing number of, of projects now that fall under the Linux Foundation. I think so somewhere I, in the I, 350 to 400 range is sort of where we're at right now. Um, yeah, you know, we kind obviously of these, are, these are the these are the some of the flagships but do you do you think there's mm -hmm. also um similar to what's happened um with odpi and um and the the ai um, space do you think that there is further consolidation um likely in in some of these other areas um you know, it's, it's always a possibility. I mean, we really try to take the lead of where our communities want to go. Um, we try not to be really too opinionated in this space, but we want to be very responsive. And, and I would say with the with the coming together of LFAI and ODPI, that was exactly where the activities went. Both, both communities sort of expressed the interest of there's just a lot of overlap or potential overlap and why not come together? And we try to help facilitate that. Um, and certainly, like, we have seen this happen in some of our other industries. I think one of the first ones a few years ago was the networking industry. We had a handful of networking projects that were all sort of independently funded, and those came together under a single umbrella of LF networking. Um, we saw the same thing in the edge computing space where we had a few projects, and those came together under a single umbrella. Um, I think certainly there's always opportunities for this to happen more. Um, you know, the OpenJS Foundation that sort of launched last year was the combination of the JS Foundation and the Node.js Foundation, for example, and has now become a very central point for the JavaScript community. So these things kind of generally emerge, and, and we're starting to see a lot more interest in sort of what we call these umbrella foundations, um, because they, they really give all of the community sort of a natural hub to hook into, um, to be a part of. With our model, it still lets all these communities have independent governance. Like they are all very autonomous. They establish their own um, governance. They establish how they work as a process. They establish, you know, what license they want to be under. Um, all these things. We help provide guidance. We help. We don't, you know, send them off on a on a boat with no um, paddles. Um, we're there to help them along the way, and we're there to help give them some structure. But it really, and it's a little bit of difference, I would say, um, to some of like the AS, you know, the, the Apache way and some of the other philosophies that we see in other foundations, which certainly work for a lot of those communities and, and um, I, I think have been really instrumental in the growth of, of open source. Um, but for us, we call the LF way is there's no one specific way. And we recognize each community is unique. Each community, the participants, the industries, the technologies are all different and being able to have an open and transparent governance um, has to be recognizing that and not and not indicating that there's a one single way to do things um, so most of our project communities they keep it very broad like that I mean they say look as we we want you know keep things that are no OSI license for goodness sake we don't need more licenses out there um, <laughs> and for goodness sake have an open and transparent governance because that's why you come to a vendor neutral foundation um, so, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I could certainly, if I wave my, you know, if I look into the crystal ball, could I see things coming together? Sure. Um, but I think a lot of it's just going to be driven from these communities because they're, they're already sort of looking down the road of, you know, what is the best way to ensure that their project is set up sustainably? And a lot of it is going to be 
helping align these projects in different sort of industry categories or vertical horizontal categories. Um, and then being able to, you know, really establish that technical community that helps support a lot of these different projects and then just creates that natural collaboration that happens from there. Yeah. Makes, makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So if I can, a quick question about the, yeah, the LFAI, I mean, thank you for, I didn't know this one yet. So thanks for announcing it uh, to us here. Um, the whole AI thing has been very heavy open source driven already. Most of the projects I mean Spark mm -hmm. at the beginning and up until TensorFlow and everything is already in the open source space as well. Is the LFAI supposed to be a gathering of that kind of pro uh, projects? Things that are very, uh, let's call it mathematically algorithmic based, let's say, how to based, or is it more in the how to use this stuff to make it production ready to, to actually be able to do something with it? Where do you look? As I'm looking at the at the page here at the projects and well, things like Spark and TensorFlow aren't in here. So just looking mm -hmm. at who's, who's this intended to group? It's a great question. And, and I think really um, the work in this, in this, in, in the AI um, foundation has really had a lot of growth over the last year. Um, I think where a lot of the focal point has been is there's just a number of these efforts that have been very commercially driven or, or you know, one um, vendor sponsored and there has been interest within the community of growing them further. And the natural step to help do that is to bring them into a vendor neutral foundation um, to make that happen. Um, you know, a great resource and maybe something you should bring up on your screen here, um, and I should have told you the, the friend is uh, type in l.lfai.foundation. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's see if he gets the typing right this time. Okay. We got it. Awesome. Great. So this year is a great tool. Well done, John. Well done. Uh, this year is this year is a great tool for just understanding what the full landscape um, around AI open source looks like. Um, and we use this just to sort of describe. It's not necessarily all the projects that are in the foundation. Um, certainly, I mean that's sort of not our goals to have all of them. We, the, the foundation certainly can provide a home um, for a number of these, but is really just to describe, here's what the overall space is. And, you know, uh, a foundation like LFAI, as they start to look about it, they look, okay, here's all the functional areas. What is the state of projects in that area? Are there natural ones that need support? Is there natural ones that are struggling with sustainability? Are there natural ones where the value this foundation can bring to the table um, aligns with them? And if it is, Great, that's a great one that should be considered. If they're already well supported um, and they already don't, you know, that that's not necessarily something that aligned, that's okay. I mean, they're still considered part of that that broader community. But, you know, I, I think um, I think as we're trying to look at it, we're trying to put a great definition, and we're using um, the leadership that's already existing within this community. So we're leaving it to the practitioners to say, like, how does this look? Like, what is this full stack? What does this whole group look like? Um, and then from there, um, understanding where the projects, where are the other opportunities, where are the areas that need support, um, you know, more than anything. And, and, you know, frankly, that's how we see it. We see projects that come to us, and that, not just here, but I mean, across a lot of the foundations we work on, we see projects come to us because they say, look, we, we need this long-term sustainability. We think this is a great technology that we want to grow and we want to see a broad set of contributors, um, you know, how can we potentially fit in? So I would say a lot of it is also just very responsive 
um, in, in a certain way. Um, I don't know if that, that helps give you a little bit of a context. Yeah. It does. It does. Uh, it's, and this is a great always, resource, by the way. Always, this is a great resource. Yeah. Use it in any way you can. Showcase this. We have a PDF and PNG. If you real click in the tall, you can click that and you can put it in slides and stuff. It's a really nice resource that is updated quite a bit. Yeah, this kind of, yeah. I like these. I love. Of I love these kind of landscape diagrams. I think these are really handy for just giving people an idea of both how broad some of these spaces are but also mm -hmm. to give people an idea of like the different specializations that can exist within these within this space and basically where everything fits exactly. i mean you hear a lot of these yeah. projects and at a certain point it becomes a bit of a mix and you have to figure out what time i'm using in what moment at work and what uh, i mean all the things are changed these days right there's no simple monolithical application anymore it's a togetherness mm -hmm. of making more of the parts being the whole and this really helps in being able to position things. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's really the goal of like what a good foundation, yeah. you know, we see does, you know, it's about, you know, let's create the space, let's provide the infrastructure support, um, ecosystem development. And, you know, from there, um, you know, the, the community innovation just starts to happen. And, um, you know, the community and, and the downstream markets are the ones that validate all of this. Um, and so it really works nice. And it also just brings everyone to the table to have this conversation. Yeah. It's also good to see, uh, I see ING here. I live in Holland, so I know ING and ING is international as well. So I'm not sure why I said that, but it's good to see that it's also non-tech companies in here that all, these are users of technologies, right? So they can tell you this exactly. is what they're missing. This is, this is good. This is great from a mathematical point of view, but in practice, not so much. So please. So you have a lot of feet going it, yeah, back and forth. Exactly. And ING is a great example of a company investing in open source. And again, you wouldn't think about yeah, that orange. off the top, but they have been a major contributor to Ageria. <laughs> um, there's a few other projects already in LFAI they're major contributors from. Um, and they've actually really driven a lot of philosophy of driving so much um, of the work that they're trying to do through open source as a way to kind of help establish that downstream ecosystem so that as they work with vendors, they can say, look, this is these these are the tooling we use. It's out there. Are you participating in this ecosystem? Are you complying? Are you able to integrate with it? Um, so it really, really has it's been very game changing for them. And, and, and you know, they're they're a great poster child of how you yeah, you see a financial institution and somebody downstream who's not a vendor, but they're a user of the technologies um, of where they see the space to participate in. I've just been scrolling through here just to see if I can find a project that isn't in here that should be, and I, I think you got them all here. <laughs> well, and you know what the good thing is? The landscape is open source. It's on GitHub. If you find one that we missed, you can do a pull request and get it added. <laughs> That's great. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. love it. Cool. So... A bit of a, a bit of a pivot now, moving on to a slightly different topics, but nothing. Uh, you know, we've we've talked been talking about uh, the merging of uh, uh, data and AI to very very hot areas right now, as always. To another hot area, which is uh, security, and uh, I think one of the things you mentioned when we were chatting before we started recording was some of the stuff that's happening 
in the Open SSF, which I, I don't know. You, you're dropping so many knowledge bombs <laughs> on us, John. So there's another one that I was not aware of. I, so I applaud you is, sticking with fantastic. me with it. Like you just have it like tipped over and said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm full, I can't take anymore. <laughs> 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 but no, this is, I've I've been I've been I kind of looking around this ever since you mentioned it, and this is starting mm-hmm. to look really cool. But uh, could you, you know, give us give us the the, the sort of the layman's intro to the uh, Open SSF or the Open Open Source Security Foundation? What's it all about, and how can it help? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, security with open source it's it's been a tale as as long as time right um you know yep. just think back to the heartbleed um vulnerability um with open ssl geez how long has that been almost eight so here I'm, I'm probably gonna say the wrong name and then somebody in the chat's gonna say you got it wrong john so a while ago um yep. and i think one of the things that very much came out of that was that sustainability and security are very much tied with one another so meaning that like if a project, it's it's impossible to write 100% secure code because, you know, what you think is 100% secure is just one person away from finding a vulnerability and eventually. Um, what's really important is to have the right practices and the right pieces within your project to be able to address, be proactive and respond to security. And, you know, that... Uh, you know, there's been all, a lot of folks that have worked in this way. There's certainly there's been a lot of independent research. Um, an initiative we had launched to the core infrastructure initiative um, certainly had some focal areas in this. And we actually started a badging program um, that was really centered around projects to help give um, them a, a sense of being able to gauge their own projects of, you know, are is their project managed in such a way that they could respond to security issues um, and be running in an open, transparent way um, effectively. And, you know, there's been a lot of folks out in this area. I mean, IBM's done a ton of work. GitHub's done a ton of work. We've seen um, a lot of different efforts that have happened out here. And, you know, we at the Linux Foundation are thrilled that there's an opportunity that this can come together under one cohesive foundation to bring together the expertise as opposed to having it disparate all over the place bring it together in one place, have that be sort of the the center of thought leadership um, as as this space is going forward, and hopefully then be able to produce um, a lot of downstream guidance, tooling, um, and other sort of efforts um, so that open source projects really just, they just know where to go. I mean, I get, I get this conversation, I get this question so many times in the communities I work with of, what do I do about security? And, you know, there's a lot of guidance that's out there, but being able to have a project which can be a focal point and bring together that expertise is so invaluable to just not open the open source world, but just really anybody in the industry that is depending on these technologies and and really knowing that they're basing their work off of open source. Um, And that's really what the coming together of this is. And there's certainly going to be a lot coming from here. There's some there's some great great experts that we're seeing that are coming to the table as a part of this. Yeah. So I mean, the it seems like the initial initiatives and it's mentioned on the the start the homepage there, sort of around vulnerability disclosures, security tooling, security best practices, um, how to identify um, security threats to open source projects securing critical projects and developer identity identity verification um obviously there's there's quite a, a wide range of 
of topics just there, and I'm sure that's just the the tip of the iceberg. But you know, mm-hmm. the, some of these things, um, some of these things feel like they should be kind of well answered already. I, I would, I would have thought um, that the sort of the vulnerability disclosure space should be mostly standardized at this point. And it, it sort of, that's one that, that kind of surprises me a little bit. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm probably not the best person to speak to the details of all of this. And, and certainly, as we teased out, I'm going to find you an expert that can, because it sounds like this is a great topic um, for your Fantastic. audience. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think with a lot of these, you're right. I mean, there is a lot of work out there. Uh, I think really what the question is, is, you know, back to that sustainability structure. How can this be something that is driven from an open source community? How can this be something that um, is well collaborated on? You know, how can we make sure we get all of the right industry experts to the table? Um, and, you know, what we found in, you know, the the years of, you know, the Linux Foundation and, and the efforts that we've got off the ground um, you know, we've certainly had an ability to help do that and let these groups really look to drive things forward. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's a ton of there's a ton of work. There's a ton of research in these areas, and certainly in the security vulnerability space, you know, there is a lot of maturity there. Although I will say, of working with some of my communities, as much as there's one half, it feels like maturity. There's also a lot of communities that are coming up to speed on around security vulnerabilities mm. and. Sometimes they find that a little bit of a an uphill battle. Um, I think we even recently saw. I think GitHub, you know, established the ability to do um, security vulnerabilities within, um, you know, within uh, their tooling as well. And so there clearly is some sort of a barrier out there um, if that's the response that we're seeing. And I think that's that's where a community like this can really add some value. Um, you know, the goal is is how to how to help so these communities can really focus on building amazing technology. And all of these other real tough questions, um, how can enough of the right guidance be brought to these communities, um, you know, such that they can, you know, be aware of and have solutions and be able to address this as it comes up. So, um, but it's a fair point. I mean, security is nothing new. Um, Security and open source is nothing new. Vulnerability detection, it will be happening, has been happening for years. It will be happening long after we're all gone. but yeah yeah i mean it sounds like the the focus on some of these things is about it sort of as you said maybe it's not sort of reinventing the wheel but it's actually like collecting a lot of this stuff together in a way so that people can focus on yeah focus on what's cool and interesting to them and have this stuff just naturally streamline into into the way they work, into the way they deal with um, security issues. Um, so they don't have to think about, oh, I'm kicking off a new project. How do I understand how how to do vulnerability disclosure? Like it's all uh, laid out for them. Uh, that, yeah, that does actually make sense. Yeah, I can, and I can see some interesting tooling developed there. Um, it, it, you know, that project just got off the ground. It was just announced um, back in August. So it is very, very new. Um, so there's a lot of work that is still happening there. But I mean, I think the promise of what it can help deliver to open source communities that are, you know, still, you know, they, they need, this is an important part of what makes them sustainable. Um, this sort of effort is really great one and it, it complements a lot of the other great efforts we have here 
um, you know, around, you know, things such as license compliance, open source program office development, um, you know, all of these sort of different programs that we have going here that really help support and, you know, provide the needed things for open source communities to thrive. Yeah. And I have to say, it's a pretty flagship set of uh, initial members. You've got GitHub, Google, IBM, JP Morgan Chase, Microsoft, mm -hmm. NCC Group, OWASP Foundation, and Red Hat, among others. So you've certainly... They're the right people uh, at the table. <laughs> you've got, yeah, you've got a, a great set of folks. And there's already, I was taking a look and um, Jan flashed it up earlier. There's, there's already some decent chunks of stuff appearing in, in GitHub repos. And you can see the, the mailing lists and the community calendars and things like that for the different working groups. So if any of this has, uh, has piqued any of our, our listeners interest, that's, that's where to go for more information in the, in the short term. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. I mean, Anything else, John? I mean, it already seems like we've covered so much, but, you know, is there anything else that, that's, uh, that's particularly near and dear to your heart this past year? Um, you know, I think, you know, we talked about it maybe a little bit in the pre area. Um, you know, certainly I think the, the COVID pandemic has, has really shook us all and it's going to have an impact um, on us as a society for years to come. Um, there's no yeah. question about that. Um, I think we have seen really um, open source communities more and more coming together. Um, we've seen so much more innovation being driven in there. We've been seeing an increased amount of investment, new projects launched. And, you know, just areas just even within our communities that uh, we didn't think would come together, but sometimes they do. Um, one of the projects I work with um, is the Open Mainframe Project. And one of the coolest things, well, we've had two cool things. One of the cool things is, um, I think we all heard earlier, um, I think this is in April, um, some of the governors here in the, uh, the United States um, flagged a concern that uh, these the, the, some systems that they had that were written in COBOL, um, they didn't know how to maintain. They were overused, they were overtaxed and all of this. Um, and I will not add commentary on kind of where that all landed. I think that's probably outside of the <laughs> scope of, of me there. But what I've been was impressed with is that community came together. And within a week, mind you, of when that first news started to hit, within a week, had brought forward, not only, um, you know, the ability for us to, you know, to create a forum where COBOL programmers could raise their availability. And to date, we've had probably you know, well over 1,700, nearly 1,800 COBOL um, programmers from all walks of life, new, old, different locations, different genders, races, tons of diversity, step up and say, I'm available. Um, so the, the counteracting of the, there's no talent, it's there. Mm -hmm. um, and then also there was the establishment of an open source programming course in COBOL so that somebody could take this course, it's all Creative Commons and Apache 2 license, and you could learn COBOL um, and IBM spun up some infrastructure so you could test it and it hooks into VS code. Um, and I think there's some hook into Eclipse Che as well. Um, we've seen hundreds of people going through that. And I think the most fascinating is I think that project has like 1700 stars on GitHub. And I think we had like a couple hundred. I, I remember because the project, like we, we announced it, I think it was on a Friday, um, but we didn't have all the code up and we didn't even have the repository established. And of course it hits Hacker News. And somehow somebody through Hacker News found where the repository was going to be. It was set up there as empty. And 
I think within a few hours, we had like a couple hundred people start the repository without any code in it, you know? <laughs> That's so amazing. It, 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 was, it was great. And it was just an amazing, amazing uh, feedback there. So, you know, I think we've seen that as just uh, a cool effort of communities coming together. Um, another one also in that world, um, you know, we, we mainframe we often talk about um, as... Yeah. If you ask a mainframer anything about any modern thing in technology, they'll look at you funny and they'll say, oh, geez, we did that like decades ago. Like this isn't anything new. <laughs> Virtualization, <laughs> containerization, everything they just yeah. say, it's like we did that in mainframe a long time ago. Why are you bringing this up? Open source is actually one of those as well. If you really want to trace open source back to its earliest roots, you start at 1955 with a conference or a user group called Share that met in Los Angeles that was dealing with this new IBM Model 704 computer. And they were, they actually started sharing back code tips and tricks and everything of how to use it. Like that's like the early, early, early days of open source, like way before open source, way before the free software movement. Well, there's a new project that came in um, to open mainframe project that's called CBT tape. CBT stands for Connecticut Bank and Trust, which is a bank that has not existed for decades. But um, one of the mainframe programmers there in 1975 saw all of these scripts and codes sitting out there and said, let's combine this together in a canonical tape so that people know one place to get it and we can distribute it. And it's all public domain. I mean, this was before open source licenses, right? So that really the, their only choice is public domain. Um, and they've released, I think, 500 versions of that tape ever since. And that just recently came into the Open Mainframe project, um, you know, because it was looking for sustainable futures. A lot of the folks behind that project, you know, were getting to retirement age and, you know, they were looking for, you know, where this could carry forward. But, you know, efforts like that just are very, very fascinating to me. Um, not only just being honored enough that a group like that would come to a Linux foundation, the Linux foundation and say, we're looking towards the, I mean, this is people's life work, right? I mean, it's a 45 year old project and they're thinking, how can, who can carry this forward another 45 mm -hmm. years or more? And they come to the Linux yep. foundation for that. And that, that was just, it was, it was an honor on one path. Um, and then it was just been just cool working with them and seeing that come in. Oddly enough, while you can download all of those, um, all of the code from that project on their website, um, you can also still request a tape if you really want to, and you just send them like $10 in the mail and they'll send you a tape. Actually, it was funny because they sent me some letters of people requesting tapes in like the eighties. And like, we have some from like the U S postal service and the department of commerce. Cause like you couldn't do like a pull request. Like you couldn't do a fork of their code. Like the only way you did it, you sent a letter in the mail and said, may I please have a copy of your tape? Here's $10. And then they send it back to you. Um, so that was, that was the way that you got code, you know, back in those days. So, um, but you can still get a tape today if you really want it. Fantastic. So those are cool efforts. Absolutely those are just kind fantastic. of like heartwarming efforts in open source. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's been, you're right. Like the, the, the we, we sort of, sometimes we skirt around the topic of the pandemic. Sometimes we don't, you know, do too much focus on it, but we have, touched on it here and there. And I think it, it is absolutely one of those things that um, has impacted our society and will continue to do so, as you said, for some time to come. But I think one of the things that I've been um, certainly aware of is open source has continued to be, um, and if, if, if not, its importance has been accelerated through uh, the challenges that both people and organizations 
uh, are going through right now. People are, you know, whether it is organizations looking at their budgets and being told, well, you know, the, the way things are right now, just everything's been slashed. And obviously, you still need to deliver the same services. But all those things you were looking to renew, that's no longer going to happen. People looking for alternatives. Yeah. And open source is one of the first places that most innovative thinkers go to look when they start to become challenged. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think we've, exactly we've right. certainly seen a lot of that happening. But I think it's also we've seen the open source communities, um, you know, with with so many folks in lockdown, so many folks um, in a position where you know maybe they maybe they used to travel a lot, maybe they used to be in an office, and uh, have a a work community like that. Um, you know, with that going away, people are finding alternative ways to still have that sensation, that feeling of community, and I think open source communities have in several cases kind of flourished from that behavior and from that experience, which is, I think it's been really nice to see. Oh, it has, it has. And even some have just spun up just as a direct response. I mean, I mentioned the, Co the uh, COBOL, um, you know, work that's happening with the mainframe project. Another foundation we launched um, a few months ago is the LF Public Health Foundation, um, lfph.io. And, you know, it has brought together um, some of the the uh, tools that have been used in the response um, to COVID specifically, but then thinking broadly around um, future pandemics um, and having this as widely available and driven and open source so that we can see greater uh, collaboration and then greater preparedness um, for you know, hopefully not, but you know, this is, you know, very likely still, um, you know, more of these uh, things that start to hit our society and so that we can have a more cohesive response. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Open, open source is, is, is a great enabler. Um, it's a great way to pull communities together and, um, you know, people feel really invested in it. And, you know, if, if we as a foundation, can help sustain those efforts so that energy can keep driving. We're doing our job um, and they're in the spotlight and they're doing all the great work and we're just making sure the trains, you know, run somewhere close to on time. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that is an awesome note to end on unless anything else from you, Jan? No, I'm going to start playing with my train set now. Totally happy. <laughs> 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 but uh, it's been fantastic chatting with you, John. It's been too long. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Uh, good to see you sporting the uh, Egeria T-shirt. There, it's very, very good. And yes. uh, as always, pleasure catching up with you. Likewise, likewise. This is a this is a fun time at least once a year, and then sometimes we sneak in a second one. But uh, no, this is this is a great podcast. It's always a great conversation, and uh, look forward to the next time. Thank you. All right, fantastic. You. Looking forward to it. Sure. Take Cheers. care, John. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much again, John. Great, uh, great chatting with you. And uh, well, we will definitely have to make sure that it's not another year before we chat with him again, because uh, there was honestly a lot there to, to talk about. And uh, as always, John is uh, enthusiastic about, uh, about what's going on. Yep. We've already got some hooks out to get more in-depth uh, coverage on the different foundations he talked about, security one, the AI one, just to have somebody on board on an episode. 
totally dedicated on one of those subjects so we can go into more depth. Because I do think there are very interesting ways of looking at the whole ecosystem around those things and the, the, the whole open foundation approach. It does make sense. And uh, I want to yeah. learn more. I want to learn more about yep. this. Yeah, very much so. So with that, with that, is there anything else from you? No, this time people have been able to see what kind of party animals we are when we do our birthday celebrations. I hope we didn't disappoint too much. But uh, that is all the time we have for a party today. And uh, have to wait another year for the next party. That's how these things work. Until then, you can support the podcast. You can become a patron. Every contribution really helps. We're on YouTube. We need likes, subscribes, notification bell ringing, and all the YouTube stuffs. We need a lot of it. We also have a website at www.roaringalpha.org. You can find a link to the patent page and all the information you want, would ever want to know about us. You can follow me on Twitter using the at roaringelphant tag. And you can send feedback. We need to cut this down in the future to podcast at roaringelphant.org. Until next time, my name is All Party Out John. And my name is Just Getting Started Dave. Brexit. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Uh. <laughs> Just come back.